Hey guys, today's episode features Canadian comedian Jerry D. His smash hit cult TV show from Canada, Mr. D, the gym teacher, is now on Amazon Prime Video. So make sure after the episode you go and watch that. It is so funny. You guys won't want to miss out. Socialites and welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. I have some news. I do. I have news. If you are a Patreon member, you already know this news because, you know, I give you guys the tea first. Your boy's going back into the classroom. I am. I am. I'm going back. You know, I don't know. I just figure that... I'm sitting here. My entire tour was canceled. It is for whatever the rest of the school year is most more than likely. So I'm sitting here and I got to be honest with you. I'm getting a little bored and uh, I'm sitting here with two degrees under my belt and a skill and there's schools that need help. So I'm like, why don't I start applying? So I got this idea and I'm like, that'd be fun to do. I really love teaching. I really do. So just like, why not? The timing's perfect. So I look online. I kid you not. I found three three open kindergarten positions that start in January and go until the end of the year. Hello. Perfect. Perfect. You guys know I love kindergarten. I've always wanted to teach kindergarten. I spent so much time in kindergarten without being a kindergarten teacher that I know the job. And then another job that I applied for was an elementary school librarian. That's from now until the end of the year. Hello. Reading to kids in my character voices all day? Sign me all the way up, honey. That one I actually got contacted back and I have an interview on Wednesday of this week. Am I pooping my panties? Yeah. But I think I'm not going to say that I got the job. I know that there's probably a ton of qualified candidates who are equally as invested in getting this. And I won't say that I wish them the best because I want it. But I do think I, I stand a really good chance. I'm very confident in my skills, my experience and what I have to offer. So let's see what this brings. This could be a really cool thing. Also, one thing that I've always wanted to do is be an elementary school librarian. You get to work with every grade, K through five. So you get a little mix of this, little of that. They leave you after what, 25 minutes or whatever it is. So if you're bothering me, see you next week. You know, like no, no big deal. Parent contact, minimal. Right. And then the rating. Rating's my thing. I'm going to rate to the kids. They do not realize that essentially the new librarian is going to be a cross between Robin Williams and Jim Carrey. Hello. Should I just bring a book and give you an interpretive reading of the pout pout fish in my interview? I think I should. I actually don't think I should. I used to be on interview panels and I really for some reason was turned off when teachers would like bring a lesson and just start like teaching it in front of me. It's like, did I ask? I didn't. If I did, this would be great, but I didn't ask. So we're just going to go off of what you got to say about yourself, right? I'll keep you guys posted. I'm excited and I really want it. And I think it's going to be a really fun, exciting journey. And I'm so excited to get connected back into the classroom again. So let's see. But this is the perfect time to tell you that this episode fits in perfectly with that journey. Jerry D is a Canadian comedian sensation. His show, Mr. D, was a cult hit in Canada. 
All right. Lucky for us, we get the show coming to Amazon Prime now so we can watch it. Mr. D, the gym teacher. You guys are want to catch this. I listening to Jerry talk is it just blew my mind. We are living the same life, just like he did it first. <laughs> and I following in his foot traps. Former teacher was on last comic standing, career took off, and now it still is. And he's also currently the host of Family Feud Canada. Hello. This is amazing. Uh, so glad that I got to sit down with Jerry. He's an awesome guy. I'm glad to call him a new friend. Without further ado, here's the Social Studies Podcast with Jerry D. Try to catch me howling at the moon. Super excited to have on the podcast. I would say the other Mr. D, but I think I'm the other one. I'm the I'm the second one. I don't know. I think you're the American one and I'm the Canadian one. Dude, let me tell you, every time I was almost stranded in Canada, by the way. My last show before the Pandy was in Edmonton at Tammy Bronson's club. Uh yeah. It, so and Rick I, Bron- that must be Rick Bronson's Rick Bronson's wife, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. Tammy and Rick was at their club. It shut down. I almost didn't make it back. Literally, I got over the border, and they told me that uh, Canada and the U.S. border shut down. So I was almost a Canadian like you. But when I was there, when I was doing my shows, so many people were like, "Oh, I thought I thought you were Mr. D, Mr. D." I'm like, "Well, I kind of am." Just with a different citizenship. That's funny, yeah, because that I've never thought of that. I guess you going to Canada might be confusing for for you too and them. So, but there's a lot of Mr. D's out there teaching. That's kind of the whole, you know, when your name's a bit long and teaching, like my real name, they just kids shorten it. Mr. E, Mr. D, Mr. P. What's your real last name? Donahue. Donahue. Did you always go by Mr. D in the classroom? Uh, yeah. I mean, kids just kind of give you that, right? It's like, Hey, Mr. D, like it wasn't like, call me Mr. D. Like it, it in the show, it was, I wanted them to call me that. Like it was my name, my, you know, the joke on the title is my last name is Duncan in the show, which we'll talk about, which is not a hard name to say or long, but I wanted the Mr. D like, it was kind of like, I wanted this nickname. So it's a little, it was a little inside joke just from the title, but no, I, I, they called me Mr. Donahue. They called me, uh, Mr. D. It was one of the two for sure. Now, I didn't really care what they call me. My last name's Dombrowski. So sometimes the younger I taught, it was kind of a mouthful. But I changed my name to Joey D on Facebook, on my personal Facebook to kind of save face because I was doing stand-up and I didn't want people to find me. So that's how- Same as me. No way. That's why I changed my name. D-E-E too? Yeah, so I'm Jerry D-E-E and my real name is Donahue. So when I started stand-up, same reason. I was teaching at a- pretty prestigious private school in Toronto here and grades nine to 12 and five to 12. And I, I, I just didn't want anyone to find me. I didn't want anyone to see that I was doing stand up like moonlighting. So that was why I changed it to Jerry D, you know, and I, I always had these aspirations. If it ever worked out, my name is always spelled wrong. You know, it's just never right. spelled right with the D and the O and the G. And so it was the same reason for me. That's wild. So uh, what did you teach by the way? I taught phys ed, but the way I started was history geography. And that was where the premise for Mr. D, the gym teacher, the show that we have coming out down there. That was the premise was that, you know, I started doing stand up talking about how I was teaching grade 12 history, which I never took. We, you know, 12th grade, you say, we, we say grade 12, you say 12th grade. Sure. You get it. 
but I never took, <laughs> I never took 12th grade history and here I was teaching it. And that was kind of how I started my stand up, and I became this teacher doing comedy and not a substitute teacher, not a guy that had his bachelor of education. I was like a full time. I was the athletic director eventually still doing stand up, teaching two or two or three subjects world religions. I had no idea what I was doing. And that happens to teachers where you're thrown they're like, Hey man, do you mind picking up a grade nine French next year? You're like, sure. We, whatever. And <laughs> that's how it works, right? Your principal will come Your Your principal will come in and say, we need you to do a grade 10 history. And you're like, okay. And so, but I, there were those subjects couldn't have been further from my interest, further from my background, but I would literally fake my way every day through these really important subjects that have a lot of stuff written down. At a prestigious private school. Yeah, very. I mean, I was a good teacher, Joe. Like, I was a good teacher. Like, people think from the show I was this buffoon. I wasn't. And I was a good teacher. I was a really good, really good at management. Like, I was actually kind of strict, and kids knew not to fool around. But I was also lighthearted. But I was a good teacher. But I, yeah, I would take advantage of shortcuts for sure. Like I had this trick when I taught grade 12 history that, you know, because you get in in Canada and I'm sure they're like by 12th grade, it's an elective, you know, like they don't have to take it. So anyone that's taking 12th grade subjects, they chose to. So that means they really like it or they're really good at it. Right. So I always had this kid would ask me a question outside the box. And I, I only read, like I assigned homework, read chapters one to three. And then I would go home and read chapters one to three. And then I would teach chapters one to three the next day. It looked like, man, this guy knows the stuff. But then there's always a kid that read ahead that would have a question about, you know, like, I remember this kid had a question about the Mayan civilization, which I had no idea what he was talking about. So I learned this trick where if you don't know what a kid's saying, you know, we can't admit it as teachers. You know, I don't know. I don't know what that means. So you throw it back on the class like, oh, good question. But I'm not here to spoon feed you. So let's go home tonight and look up what happened to whatever you're talking about. <laughs> and then you'd come in and you'd get time, you'd stall, right? And now, I mean, now there's Google and everything where a teacher could just, you know, pretend they're working at their desk, but they're Googling answers. It's so different. All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> I have a joke in my set where I straight up say, um, and if you've never YouTubed what the hell's a common denominator before walking into the classroom, you're a liar. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. It's not, oh yeah. It's just so it's much unrealistic. easier now, but when I started, it was 96. So we didn't have Google. So it was a very different way to teach back then. So on our sitcom, we talk about all the little things that the teacher world really, really gets and the students get it. Like we never thought, the students would pick up on the show as much as they did. Like in Canada, that show is known by every school teacher, professor. They may not like it. As you know, there are teachers like, well, that's not how we should be depicted. We, you know, shut up. And, and I wrote, I wrote for not for those teachers. I wrote for guys like us that cut corners, teach hungover, you know, like show a movie. Cause they have no lesson plans. Finding Nemo day. Finding Nemo day. For that- me, it was Rudy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I was a phys ed teacher. So it was, you know, and I purposely say gym teacher in the title just because I know phys ed teachers, we hate that we're called gym teachers, but kids call us gym teachers. So, you know, we can make it sound smart. I'm a kinesiologist. 
No, you're a gym teacher. That's what you are. What I love too about the clips. So I'm excited to watch it when it comes out this week on Amazon. Because for, I would say, I probably saw my first clip of you maybe two or three years ago. Someone sent me the, I think it was the show and tell. Yeah. When the kid brought the rocket ship. And then the other one where some, this one was massively popular, even in the US, where a student said that, I'm a lesbian yeah. or something like that. So that was the first clip. That was from season six. That was the first clip. Like fifth, my buddy on the show, Darren Rose, who plays Bill, texted me, goes, hey, 50 Cent just tweeted that clip. That's and that amazing. was, and then Chad Ochochinko and then Beyonce's mom. <laughs> Someone said, hey, Beyonce's yes. mom tweeted. I'm like, Beyonce's mom. And that was the first clip that people in the, in, in around the world, but in mostly in the States started but the problem was they didn't know it was a sitcom. And now that we're coming on Amazon Prime Video, they'll be able to connect the dots that that clip is from this Canadian sitcom that has eight seasons. And, but that was the first clip, You Can All Be Lesbians, which was based on a real story. There, there's a lot of real stories. We would bring in 20 teachers every year oh, yeah. and go give us stories. And the, the rocket ship was a friend of mine who did show and tell. Kid brought in a vibrator, called it a rocket ship. And, you know, that was that scene. And the lesbian scene was they were doing, uh, what, are the, what are they called? Contraction word? No, when the words A-N-I-N-O-N, learning all those words. And that was when the kid said, you know, what's a word that ends in A-N? And she said lesbian. And it was funny because my head writer at the time, who was not a teacher, but was great and did a lot of research, you know, we ended the scene there. And then I kept improvising and she kept giving me words. She goes, how about you do a word that ends in O-N, prostitution? I'm like, perfect. We did prostitution. And then she came (laughs) up at the end and we got to words that end in R-E and she said, you know, say krakour. And if you know anything about television, you don't see the little girl say krakour because we had already shot that side. So we couldn't turn around for one line. So I just said, I made it to sound like, just shoot the audio, just keep the audio, stay on me. And we'll just hear this little girl go crack whore. And that's how we left it. And I think it worked out better. Just not seeing her face. Uh, it was just, that's kind of how the show worked a lot of times. You know, I wanted it to be authentic. I wanted teachers to like it and, and they do. And I, I wanted, and then kids started liking it and we didn't expect that we wrote it for adults, but all these high school and grade school kids are, going, oh my God, like I can relate to these kids. I've never felt like I've related to a comic more because we're this is literally the same thing. People would come up to me after my sets and say things like, well, how are you going to do another show? Like you're not teaching anymore. How are you going to do another show? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. One year in the classroom is 10 years of content. Yeah. Like it just never stops. Yeah. I wish I'd known you when we wrote the show. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, when you're, you're coming back to do American reboot, American I'm going to be reboot. one of your writers, man. There you go. <laughs> um, eight seasons is a lot to do. We were lucky at comedy. It's a long time, but yeah, you're right. You don't run out of kids stories, teacher stories. And you know, what's fascinating about the show, which, you know, like we talked about changing our last name. So ki- the kids think we're not kids think we're, we don't go to the mall on Saturday. So they see they you at the we mall. Live They're in like, the school. You're at the mall. He was at the mall. He goes to the mall and I wanted people to see behind the staff room doors because here's this profession we revere for, for we're supposed to, you know, send our kids eight hours a day in the hands of these humans. But there's a lot of these teachers we shouldn't be sending our kids to. And, and 
that's step one. And the other side is we're not all doing this bang up job that you think we're doing every day <laughs> to make you a better, to make your kid, like your kids are a pain in the ass. Try you, you know, parents will talk about how tough it is to have three kids. Have 30, have 35, five-year-olds or eight-year-olds with the dumbest questions. And you're supposed to be guiding them. But you know, I loved it. I loved teaching. I loved the kids. But at the end of the day, I still had to find a way to poke fun at what we do. You know, what's the absolute worst too is like once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. That's just how it goes in our little yes. world here. But people, you you have the tiniest little slip up, right? You do one little multiplication fact wrong in real life. You do a typo online. You're a teacher. Everyone's yeah. Aren't you supposed to be a teacher? Yeah, yeah I'm also a regular fucking person, yeah. Rick. <laughs> yeah, Rick. Yeah, it's uh, and it's funny because I'm very careful with that grammar and stuff because, yeah, they'll say that. But I get away with it because I was a gym teacher and gym teachers aren't supposed to be smart. Uh, so I got a little bit of a, I'm, I can always go, hey, gym teacher. Sorry, jock. You ever get a smart mouth with parents in the classroom at all? Uh, parents in the classroom? Like, did you ever have a parent try and like lip off to you and you had to just kind of serve it back real quick? You, you know, yeah, I had a parent once. I called a parent once. Their kids swore a lot. And at our school, if you swore, you got suspended, which I liked. It was just a black and white rule. There was no, and I was just, I found it easier just to stick to the, you know, because you can tend to want to be their friend, right? And be the nice guy. I'm like, that gets you nowhere over time. So I picked my spots for that. But this kid swore. And I called the mom. He was in grade five. So he was probably, what's that, 10? And I called the mom and he'd swear and he'd, he'd talk about sexual stuff. And, I'd, and I, so I got him suspended. And the mother calls me, sorry, and says, uh, why, like, why are you lying? My son doesn't swear. Because they think they're all oh, angels. Jesus. Right? I'm like, well, I said, I, look, I, I'm not making up that he swore. And I hear noise in the background. And I'm not kidding. She turns around and goes, shut the fuck up. <laughs> On the phone with me, she yells at her kids to shut the fuck up. And she's just telling me, my kids don't swear. And I'll never forget that moment talking to her thinking, yep, there it is. I think that's the downfall of a lot of teachers who just kind of bend over backwards. And the fact of the matter is, is like we work for the kids, not for the parent. Yeah. So it's, I might be doing what's for the kid's best interest. And it's not exactly what you think. But like, I don't come to your cubicle and tell you how to crunch numbers. Yeah. So let me do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, imagine, imagine 30 families, 35 families, two sets of parents, one set of parents, what one parent, whatever, but imagine 30 to 60 adults weighing in on your every move because all they care about is their kid. So you got, you know, so, uh, but I was at a really good school for, I was nine years teaching and it, one year I did substituting, which is kind of like the, the, you know, learn on the fly. That was the worst. That is, was that your transition? Worst. Out of teaching? No, I was started as a substitute for a year because there was no jobs here where I got when I graduated. And then I got a full time job at my alma mater, which I was waitering at a restaurant teaching on the side, substituting. And the principal came in of another school and told me they were hiring just the way it worked out. But I got I got into a really good school, but I taught at some, you know, some tough schools. And I really admire those teachers that, you know, my school didn't have kids that were really, really, you know, they got in trouble for chewing gum, right? Like it was pretty strict. So, but when I taught, when I substituted, substitute teaching was, whew, that's the real training ground. Like they don't teach it. You know, I remember, uh, I remember a kid, I, I do this joke about this kid in grade seven 
asked me if I took his fucking shoe. Came into class. I'm substituting. I don't know any of their names. And he looks at me and goes, you take my fucking shoe? And, you know, that was one of the things I never... They can swear at us, but we can't swear back. It's a really awkward social dynamic. Like in a bar, if a guy's like, hey, did you take my fucking shoe? You go, fuck you. What are you talking... You know, like there, you have to be nice, <laughs> but they can keep swearing back. Like this one-sided swear fest. But um, so the rules are different for us than it is for them. And, um, you know, when I went to school... I was on that border where teachers could still hit you and then your parents went home and then they hit you too because you got in trouble at school. Like it's a very different, which was wrong, but now it's like the kids run the school and very different. You ever substitute in kindergarten? Yes. Oh my God. I used to do the a story. Best and the worst. <laughs> and that was, we did that scene with show and tell. That was part of it was the first half was I had this kid and he just had a, he had a picture of a blue fish. It was just a, a, a animated blue fish and he wouldn't talk. And then it was his turn for show and tell. And he would not talk. He just stood there. And I'm like, like, do you know the point of this? You're just showing it. You got to tell it. You got to talk about it. And then, you know, what is it? A blue fish. It's like, no, it's not a blue. Like it was just very different. Kids are eating paint. It was like, as soon as I turned around, oh yeah, it was, but you know, it was very different than, and I went from 12th grade substituting and then the next day kindergarten, the very next day I'm in a kindergarten class. Yep. That's how I started to make my transition out of the classroom was to do subbing for a little while. And I was subbing in kindergarten and there was a kindergartner and he goes, get out of my fucking way. Five years old. And I'm like, can you use your manners? And he goes, get out of my fucking way, please. I was like, this is great. That's this great. is fantastic. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. You They're priceless, to man. I, I can't believe the different backgrounds of, of upbringings that kids come from where, you know, even now my kids, like my daughter, she'll have friends that swear. They'll just constantly swear in grade five, you know? And I'm like, my kid's just not allowed to swear. I mean, they might swear in the playground. That's fine. I don't, I don't know you're doing it, but if I ever hear you're doing it, I'm not going to be happy. So it's, um, it's, it's a very different world. I haven't been teaching. I left teaching in 2003. So, you know, it's a very different world now. And right now, obviously with the pandemic, you know, it's even, it's even more difficult, but obviously I'm a huge supporter of teachers. Everyone knocks us. You get your summers off, you get your March break. Uh, Why don't you stop complaining? And, and, um, I tell people we didn't get our summers off. We, we blow our heads off. Like if we don't get that break, I love that it's a great job, but don't think it's an easy job. It's draining, man. It's very, very draining, but I loved it. It's not for everybody. Nope. That's it. It's not for everybody. Like stand-up comedy, you be not a for everybody. Person. But you are going to get this. You're going to get this. Being a comic makes you a better teacher and being a teacher makes you a better comic. It's just like how it goes. hundred percent. It's people, you know, the transition for me and for you was the hardest stuff. If you ever tried to be funny, I never really tried to be funny in the classroom. Like it came out of my, my personality, but I didn't go in and go, okay, let's try this. Like I did stand up and, and I was teaching for five years. So there was this crossover, but they're a tough audience. So if you make a grade oh. nines laugh or twelves laugh or sevens laugh. Yeah. So you were used to, re- you were used to failing in front of a large group. And I think the oratory skills alone, speaking in front of a group of people, you know, I see stand-up starting and they don't even have that. We always got out of the gate with that. And that was yep. a big help. Um, but I never brought 
as my, I didn't go to the back to the classroom and then do my bits. Like I wasn't trying to, you know, I would get stuff from the classroom and do it on stage all the time. Same. And the best part is, is I, you know, do my sets after school to a room of 40 year old drunks with attitude problems. And then I go in the classroom the next day and teach to five-year-old drunks with attitude problems. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the kids. same thing. I got to ask you about yeah. this though. I'm fascinated about um, your transition from teaching to just full-time comedy and then into the show. Can you kind of like walk us through how that got started? So, you know, I, I knew like you would, I was kind of funny. I was witty. I was quick. I was sarcastic as a teacher. I was teaching a grade 12, 12th grade. I'll try to say it your way. 12th grade kinesiology class, which was kind of a, when, you know, wasn't in the gym, it was the classroom, the last year of of phys ed kind of. And I just used to joke. I teach and one girl, you know, I asked her a question once, where's your, you know, where's your zygomatic arch? And she went kind of, it's like, she, I go, really just here. It's just, you know, I just used <laughs> to always just use my personality and they would just laugh. And one kid had said, sir, have you ever tried stand up?" And I had actually thought of stand up because a friend I was waitering with, I was still waitering because we made $41,000 a year. It wasn't like I was rolling in the dough. So I was still you, waitering. 41, you guys were loaded compared yeah, Canadian, to us in those Canadian, first years. Canadian, <laughs> right. So I'm still, so a friend, of, a friend of mine I was waitering with was starting the amateur circuit. So combined with this kid saying it and my friend trying to get me to go, I said, you know what? I'll do it before the end of the year. I'll, I'll do it before you guys graduate. And anyway, that's the, but from then on, so obviously I bombed the first time I bombed. It was not going well, but I kept thinking I could find a way and I just had to find a way to be funny with a public audience. And then I just started to get a bit of attention because I was very clean, very clean. I was always worried my students would show up at the comedy club. So, uh, and I was just a clean person in general, like for the most part, I got a little edgier in my years, but kids will do that to you. And then I just started to get a bit, become this teacher comic here and people were relating and it was clean. And I, that's all I knew, right? I was 30 years old when I started, like very old to start stand up for the first time at 30. But I always knew I wanted to, and I remember saying this to the comedy club owner. I see, he said, well, you're kind of old to start. You know, he was talking about. He straight up said it yeah. to you. He goes, you look younger, which was good. He said, so he said, what do you want to get out of this? I said, I'd like to take my act and maybe get a sitcom one day. And he never said Oh, don't be ridiculous. He said, okay. But I always knew from day one, what my purpose was, was to do, try to do what Tim Allen or Ray Romano or, or these guys had done Seinfeld that had taken their act and built a story around it. I mean, that's the pinnacle I think for standups. We're trying to get in a movie or a sitcom or so from there, I just kept plodding along and I was very aggressive with trying to get into festivals and I saw this competition in San Francisco called the San Francisco comedy competition, which, you know, Dana Carvey, Ellen DeGeneres, Dane Cook, Louis CK, Robin Williams, all these greats had done it. And I went down there and I asked my teacher if I could have a week off school. And this was 2002. And he said, okay, there was, I was two years into stand up. And then I called him. I said, look, I made it to the next round and I was not asking for pay. I got no pay. And he was very supportive. And anyway, I ended up winning that when I won that, the other comics were like, why do you still have a full-time job? Like, wh- what are you doing? Like, I was the only one. No, I got to have a safety, you know, but so that was the moment when I left, I left teaching. I took a sabbatical thinking I'd go back. I moved to LA, which was not 
successful. It was like starting over. I was 35 and I moved back to Canada and then I got on last comic standing. And when I got on last comic standing in, in season five and I came third, you know, Amy Schumer, what year is this? This was 2007. So Amy Schumer was fourth. Yeah. John Reap won it, who I'm still friends with. Lavelle Crawford was second and I was third. After that, I kind of, I got a bit of heat in Canada because when you're a Canadian on American network, it, it helps. And then I came home, pitched the sitcom and you know, that was it. I was off and running, but it was, it was winning San Fran that got me out of teaching for myself. It was having success on last comic standing where I knew I could, I had, I had to snowball that into something. And then you know, and a bit of luck, you know, it's not easy to get a sitcom. I, we only have three networks here and, you know, I, I got lucky there and, and then, you know, surrounded myself with some good writers, some good people. We had this show and I'm really excited for America to see it. Cause it, it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's did very well here. And obviously Shit's Creek just did well there. And, you know, they're not the same show, but it's the same network that was on in the same country. And I just, I, I just really excited to see how I think it's going to, really respond well with teachers and students down there. And that was really where I am now. I'm right now. I'm, you know, I'm a host of family feud Canada here. You know, I'm, I'm your Steve Harvey and uh, I'm having a blast doing that and uh, pitching another show and seeing where that goes. But, you know, I gave up on the, on the, I'm in a show called the Moody's, which is coming out on Fox. We had one season with Dennis Leary, Elizabeth Perkins. So we're back filming that in, uh, January that's season two which is on Fox so that's exciting because you know that's my first U.S. network show and um you know but I, I don't go into these things now really overly excited because I've had so many moments where I think I'm gonna go to LA this is it and then they just phase so I'm excited our shows on Amazon Prime Video I'm excited about the Moody's but you know I'm at an age and stage in my life where done well I'm happy I got a great family if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't I love that and I think. I think we're going to see another resurrection of Mr. Do the Gym so. Teacher as this comes out here. I like, honestly, I actually have tried to watch it so many times and couldn't All get right. access to it. Yeah. And I lived in Detroit when I first found it too. Yeah. So I was like right there on the border yeah. and I still couldn't get it. But uh, now I'm excited to dive deep into it and see it. Cause I guarantee I'm going to watch my life, my Canadian life. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. It's, TV, it's, it's, um, there's some inside baseball that, you know, like, but if you're, you know, our, our clips are around the world and teachers are showing them and a lot of conventions will show clips and say, this is what you don't do, which I'm fine with. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'd say if you're a teacher or a student in America, you'll enjoy the show for the most part. And you'll always get people that don't, but it's, uh, yeah, I have, I have a bit of a British style of humor cause my family's all British and so it's, uh, we went for laughs. We didn't go for heart and sweetness and love. We went for pure laughs, like people talking at school the next day, you know, teachers going on about, did you see last night's episode? Like it really became a bit of a cult show here for teachers. And I hope that happens in, in the States too. I love it. And I hope it happens too. You guys can check out. Mr. D, the gym teacher on Amazon Prime that is out already Comes because this episode is going to be out. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that's gonna be that's gonna be great. I want you guys to go watch it. And Jerry, where else can everyone follow you and find more and connect with yeah, you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jerry D. I'm on Instagram at Jerry D. I'm on YouTube at Jerry D. And I have JerryD.com website. So pretty simple. Jerry D E E. Jerry with a G. And hopefully we'll get to meet live one day. Maybe this thing will blow up and we'll go to a teacher's comedy tour or something. This is wild. The the Mr. D's finally. There you go. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Just wanted to remind you, you can get the bonus episodes of the Social Studies Podcast and also exclusive Let's Watch TV bonus video episodes on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Joe Dombrowski. And for my Patreon members, we are having a Zoom happy hour coming up in January. We do four of those a year, so we'd love to have you come join us. I got some other teacher comedians in there who are going to make you laugh until you cry in the best type of way. So if you want to do that, come join us over at the Patreon. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye.